Amen. I love this church. So today we're continuing our series on We Believe on this beautiful Palm Sunday. And today we're talking about being filled with the Spirit and living a Spirit-filled life. That it would be a day-to-day life full of the Spirit. And this is what we believe. If you would go ahead and read it with me. We believe that while the Holy Spirit is as a mighty rushing wind and as tongues of living flame that can shake and set ablaze whole communities for God, He is also as a gentle dove, easily grieved and wounded by impiety, coldness, idle conversation, boastfulness, a judging or criticizing spirit, and by thoughts and actions dishonoring to the Lord Jesus that it is therefore the will of God that we live and walk in the Spirit moment by moment under the precious blood of the Lamb, treading softly as with unshod feet in the presence of the King, being patient, loving, truthful, sincere, prayerful, not murmuring, instant in season and out of season, serving the Lord. That is beautifully written. That's one of those that you want to print off and post on your bedroom mirror just to remind yourself of what it really looks like to be living by the Spirit. So two weeks ago, we we realized and we even witnessed that Jesus is baptizing people in His Holy Spirit just like He was 2,000 years ago in the New Testament. Hallelujah for that. I loved that last Sunday. And what I love about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is it's, it is this powerful experience. Again, I, I said I sometimes have a tough time describing the baptism of the Spirit, but when I look back at it, I can see it as this powerful experience. And with it comes this ability for us to lead wonderfully joyful and Christ-like lives. Abundant lives, I would say. These abundant, rich, full lives that God has called us to live. They are all as a result of the overflow of the Holy Spirit's life within us. And I want to tell you that God wants that for every one of us. As your pastor, I want every one of you to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But this morning, I am also here to say it would be a shame if I just stopped with the baptism. See, this morning is all about the fact that God doesn't want you to just have a one-time experience. He wants you to truly live a Spirit-filled life, a day-to-day life full of the Spirit of God, led by the Spirit of God. Now, Jesus left, and when He left, He said He had to leave so that we could receive the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. And this was so that we might have an everyday power, the power that we need to live a life that He has called us to live. And this life that He has called us and destined us to live, it is only possible if we are daily filled with the Spirit. I want us to understand that. And when you live this way, when you live a life in His fullness... I can attest, many of you in this room can attest, living a Spirit-filled life, it changes everything. Everything. And, and it's interesting that the Lord was laying on my heart all these different people because I love being in a community of Spirit-filled people. I love it. it the most enjoyable people to be around are those who are Spirit-filled. Now, now, there are those who claim to be Spirit-filled who are quite cantankerous, grumpy, toxic to be around. I, I get that. But truly Spirit-filled people are grace-filled people. Say grace. Grace. Grace-filled people. They're free from condemnation. They have a joy about them. They're, they're enjoyable to be around. And you can tell just by the way they talk and just by the way they walk that they have this intimate, close relationship with God. Remember the Sanhedrin and Peter and John are before the Sanhedrin and they look at Peter and John and they say, these are untrained, ordinary men. 
And then they say what? They say, but they have been with who? They've been with Jesus. You can tell a spirit-filled believer has been with Jesus, right? These are the ones, if you, if you haven't seen them for a while and then you see them again and you notice they're just a little bit more like Jesus. See, these are the ones who nurture that relationship with God. They take time every day to drink deeply, deeply of the Holy Spirit's life. You see the fruit of the Spirit produced in their lives. Because of the Spirit's fullness being renewed in them moment by moment, day by day, you see their actions. You even see their decisions increasingly being motivated by their love for God, but also by their love for others. And I think about those who modeled this so well in my life, and I would describe them as people who walk in grace, absolutely, but they're also those who walk in love. They're the ones who walk in peace and joyful humility, free from bitterness, free from judgmental attitudes, and they are deeply committed to serving God with a passion and zeal. Think about it. Do you know anyone like that? And could that be said of you? Two weeks ago, we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's important to remember, again, this is just a brief overview of two weeks ago, that every one of these early believers in the New Testament, they expected that they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's just an expectation, a normal part of the Christian walk. Acts chapter 8, chapter 19, the apostles come across believers, disciples who had lacked this experience with the Holy Spirit. And what did the apostles do? They lay their hands on them, they pray for them, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They couldn't comprehend the idea of a believer attempting to live the Christian life without first being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We've got to understand that. Because the baptism, it unleashed this opportunity to live a life full of the Holy Spirit's power. Say power. Power. It's very important. The idea of you living with supernatural power. It's the power for living, the power for loving, the power for serving, the power for witnessing. And as your pastor, I would be failing at my job as your shepherd to ask any of you, including myself, to attempt to live the Christian life without this powerful first filling of the Holy Spirit. So important. But we'd be wrong to think that the Spirit-filled life consists only of a single experience. If you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians. That's in the New Testament. It's right after Galatians, before Philippians. Emily Faber helped me out with this one. It's God Eats Popcorn. And we're at the eats part. (laughs) And we're going to be in chapter 5. Isn't that great, Emily, that for the rest of my life, you will be a part of it. And God eats popcorn. (laughs) And that's going to be my first question to him. What's your favorite flavor? (laughs) It's got to be caramel corn, right? Ephesians 5... 18. This is what Paul says. I love this. He says, do not get drunk with wine. For that is debauchery. But instead, be filled with the Spirit. What he's saying there is he's saying that you're going to have the opportunity to be filled with something. Okay, so you have a choice every day. You get to make the choice what you're going to fill your life with. And he says, don't choose the things that would lead to death. Right? Don't choose the things that would lead to your destruction, your demise. Choose the things of the Spirit. And when you choose the things of the Spirit, you are choosing life. And we have that choice to make every day. 
The longer I live on this earth, the more I realize that we, as human beings, we are dependent upon God. We are created to be dependent upon Him. He is the source of life. And we are designed to get our nourishment from Him. In our free will, if we choose not to get it from Him, we can choose to get our nourishment from other things. Anyone besides me ever try that? <laughs> right? We, we've all tried that. In the words of Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? doesn't work too well. Right? We, we realize that God is the only one who truly satisfies. And so we come to Him and we say, God, give us this day You. Right? We say, give us You. Give us Your Spirit. Give us Your spiritual power. Give us Your spiritual nourishment. We choose God. We choose the Spirit. Any Christ follower who tries to live without daily seeking to be filled with the Spirit, if you've tried that, you will be met with disappointment, failure, discouragement, and even worse. It's because you're choosing to be malnourished. You're choosing a lesser way. And God never intended for us to live even a single day independent of Him and His refreshing of His living water. So that's important to understand. We are dependent upon God. And if you're a Christian here and you actually woke up to come to the 845 service, I think at some level we understand that. We understand that we were all gone astray like lost sheep. We had all gone our own way, a way that ultimately leads to death. But hallelujah, we turned back to God and God was there with His Son. And His sacrifice, who has saved us, delivered us, rescued us from our sins. And hallelujah, praise the Lord. But now that we're saved, now that we're forgiven and free, we want to live a life for Him, right? You don't want to just waste your life. You want to live a life for God. And if you want to live a life for Him, you've got to be daily filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to help us live that life for Him. But how do we do that? How do we get filled with the Holy Spirit, right? You've been baptized, but now you daily want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. First, you've got to wait on the Lord. Something so important, yet something most of us do not do such a good job at. It's contrary to the way most of us are living our lives. But there needs to be an intentional, prayerful waiting on the Lord for His Spirit's touch. It's essential to take time to be quiet before the Lord every day and ask Him, Lord, fill me with Your Spirit. And then after you ask Him, guess what you do? You wait. You wait on the Lord. You wait for His gentle but discernible presence to come upon you. Remember John 7.37, Jesus, it says on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and He cried out. So this is a cry. This is, this is loud. This is audible. He says, if anyone thirsts, come to Me and drink. Whoever believes in Me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. It's the cry of Jesus to us. And when He's talking about the rivers of living water. What is he talking about? He's talking about who? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. If you're thirsty, he says, I have an answer for your thirst. And we need to take each time, uh, day, uh, take time each day to drink from those rivers of living water. Jesus has promised us to quench our thirst. Take time to be quiet. Take time to focus your heart on the Lord and receive that fresh infilling of God's Spirit. So important. Yet, 
I'm just telling you, I, it's so rare for me to see in those that I love, those that I'm in community with. It's so busy. Too busy to spend time with the Lord, yet you're willing to spend time in that long line at Starbucks to quench your bodily thirst. Yet unwilling to take that same amount of time to allow the Holy Spirit to quench the thirst in your spirit. I was meeting with Ray Wright a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about this exact subject. And he's like, Pastor Dan, it is vital for you, Pastor Dan, to put on the full armor of God every morning. When you wake up, you put on the full armor of God. Before you try to do anything else, Pastor Dan, spend time with the Lord. Put on the armor and get filled up with the Spirit. And he is absolutely right. You've got to spend time and wait on the Lord. Second, if you want to be filled up with the Spirit, keep on reading the Ephesians 5 passage and it makes a close connection between being filled with the Spirit and worship. We'll continue to read those verses. And do not get drunk with wine, church. That's debauchery. No, instead, choose another way. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. You ever think about what that looks like? What does it look like? When was the last time you made melody to the Lord with your heart? Giving thanks sometimes? No, what does it say? Giving thanks always. What does that look like? What does it look like to have a melody within your heart? Giving praise and thanks always for everything that God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ has done. I want you to see the command to be filled with the Spirit is directly followed by speaking to one another in psalms, singing, making melody to the Lord, giving thanks. Worship is intimately tied with being filled with the Spirit. You know, I often wake up discouraged. This morning I woke up discouraged. It's amazing what the dreams I have, the, the things that go on. And when I wake up, I, I hurt with my, some of my chronic disease stuff. I just want to lay in bed. Mornings are depressing. Often I wake up so depressed. You know what helps me the most in the morning? Pandora. Pandora worship. Pandora gospel. Pandora southern gospel. Pandora Chris Tomlin. Pandora Jared Anderson. Pandora Catherine Scott. I have them all on my Pandora. And I just start to put on praise, right? Praise, praise, praise. And here's the other thing. I used to just listen to it. Now I'm convinced I have to open up my mouth. There's something powerful about me actually verbalizing, I love you, God. I worship you. You know, I'm praying. I, I always was trying to say, you know, you don't have to sing. You don't actually have to be audible. You can just stand there or sit there. And more and more as I've just lived this life, there's something powerful when I actually open up my mouth. And say, I worship you. You alone are God. You alone are good. Something powerful about worship. And we are filled with His Spirit. Third, there's several references in the New Testament to praying in or with the Spirit. And I'm going to generalize it to prayer. Praying in the Spirit. You want to be filled with the Spirit, then you got to pray in the Spirit. You see this at the end of the passage on putting on the full armor of God. Ephesians 6. Remember the whole full armor of God, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace, what else? the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, the Word. And then he says, praying at all times with all prayer and supplication. Praying at all times in the Spirit. With all prayer and supplication. That's a part of the full armor of God. We, we sometimes avoid that part. 
Part of putting on the full armor of God is to be praying in the Spirit. Sometimes, no, he says at all times. All times. It's so important to being Spirit-filled. And for all of us, whether you speak in tongues or not, I just want to say prayer in general. My Spirit, communing with His Spirit. Prayer is a huge part of the Spirit-filled life, right? Lord God, I need You. Pour out Your Spirit on my life. One of the best prayers that you could pray is when you wake up, say, God, lead me today. God, lead me today. God, give me what I need to live for You today. You tell me in Peter that You have given me everything I need to live a godly life for You. And it says everything we need by the power of God, by His Spirit, we have been given everything we need to live a godly life. God, if that is true, then give me today everything that I would need by the power of the Holy Spirit to live a life for You. I'm desperate for Your supernatural touch in my life today. It's a very powerful prayer to pray to the Lord. And if you've prayed those prayers... For those of us in this room who have, you know what happens. You experience the filling of the Holy Spirit. And He actually, by the way, gives you what you need to live for Him. The Bible is not a pipe dream. It's not a fantasy. Oh, if one day God might give me what I need. No, it's the reality of who you are in Christ. He gives you what you need. If you're open to His Spirit, He will always answer that request. I'd also like to add the part that many of us fail at this whole prayer thing because it's a two-way Conversation, not just the one-way request. We also have to listen to what he might have to say. We actually have to receive from the Lord. So in prayer, we have to be quiet often so we can receive and allow him to minister to us what we need. So we're baptized in the Spirit. We're daily filled with the Spirit. As we wait on the Lord, we worship him and we pray to him. And then we are led by the Spirit. So we are baptized. We are filled. Now that we are filled... We are led by the Spirit. And how do we do that? I wanted to read a couple of verses for you. John sixteen thirteen. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. Romans eight fourteen. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are what? They are sons and daughters of God. Galatians 5.16, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It makes it clear, believers, as believers of Christ who are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Think of it this way. This is, I think it is awesome. We are filled to follow. That's a great statement just to help us well how you know what, what where, why are you in my life what are you doing in my life what are you all about holy spirit well we are filled to follow but how do we do this how do we do this well first and foremost remember that walking in the spirit is a grace walk everybody say grace grace, grace walk this is important this will bring freedom into the house this morning if you can receive that it's a grace walk It means that I do not follow the Spirit in order to improve my status with God. I do not walk in the Spirit in an attempt to try to stay saved. I felt like I've seen a lot of that in the church. I'm not trying to earn anything by being led by the Spirit. I'm not earning anything. I obediently follow the Spirit not to impress God, not to try to stay saved by God. No, I am saved by what? I'm saved by grace, not by works so that no man may boast. Any walking that I do in the Spirit, 
is by the grace of God. It is a grace walk. I am following the Holy Spirit. I'm being led by Him as a result of God's grace. It's important to understand. I'm not being led by the Holy Spirit to get to God. I'm being led by the Holy Spirit as a result of God. It's important to understand this. If you understand this, it will radically change your thinking as you go about the Christian life. Because as I seek to walk in the Spirit, I've got to remember that this is all made possible by God and by His grace. So my focus should not be, you know, pulling out my list of sins to avoid, right? These are the things that I can't do. And then with all of my efforts, all of my willpower, I'm going to try to avoid them. Mustering up enough willpower not to sin, right? And if God doesn't see me sinning, then He might love me and He might accept me. Instead, my focus should be completely opposite. God's grace in my life. That He loves me. He loved me first. And He's accepted me. He's adopted me. Not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done for me. And my response to that is to live a life full of His Spirit doing what He has called me to do. I want to say that again. My, my focus as I live my life is not to try to not do a bunch of bad things. I, in college, I was part of an university ministry and I was just surrounded by Christian kids that were trying not to do a bunch of bad things. You know what they did to try not to do a bunch of bad things? It was as if we locked ourselves in a classroom and locked the doors and just were afraid and scared of the world. I swear, our, our intervarsity meetings were in the room furthest away from any kids, way down the hall, in a room that probably wasn't even used by anybody else. And we closed the doors as if we were afraid that we might sin, we might do something wrong if we actually lived in this world. But my focus is to be compelled by the grace of God to actually take a step forward, to be led by the Spirit in power into all the things, the good things that God has created in advance for me to do. Full of the power of God, I am being led by His Spirit into what He has created for me to do. It is a grace-filled walk, full of joy and life, not of fear and worry, but of life. Life. So often we preach a gospel of the things that we can't do. But Jesus came to bring us life and life to the full to show us all of the things that we can do. And living with this kind of attitude of asking God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? It's the best way I know how to live a life of freedom, especially a life of freedom from sin. See, Paul flat out tells us in his word, if we are actively living in the spirit, those sinful behaviors, those sinful attitudes, they will not be produced in our lives. Instead, as we are led by the Holy Spirit, we begin to see a healthy, joyful relationship with God develop. It's not going to be based on me being a good little boy or a good little girl. It's going to be based on the grace of God, which leads me into his plans and his purposes for my life. Amen. And for those of you that are living this way, you can testify They're living by the Spirit, stepping forward into what God has created for you to do, stepping forward with spiritual authority. It gives birth to a life like you've never experienced before. And it's all because of the grace of God. It is a grace walk. Second, being led by the Spirit implies that you are willing to follow. Willing to follow. Willing to follow. I yield to your plans and your directions. I'm led by you. Willing. We're led by the Spirit. Not forced by the Spirit. We're led. Willing to follow Him. 
Now, often what I've experienced in my own life and I've observed in others is we flip that phrase around. Instead of us being led by the Spirit, we want God to be led by us. We all do it, right? We want to lead God around. Here's what I'm doing for you, God, and here's how I'm doing it. Now, make it happen. Right? Here's my plan. Here's my goal. I go forward and then we're like, where's God? What happened to God? When the whole time we're hoping that God helps us into our plans instead of us getting into the same page as God's plans. We flip that around all the time. Then we're like, God, where are you? You know, when Jesus taught us how to pray, He told us to say, not my will, but whose be done? Yours be done. If you're a disciple of Christ, your passion I'm here to tell you, whether you're acting it out or not, as a new creation, your passion is not your will to be done, but whose? God's. Absolutely. And the only way to live a life where God is glorified, where it is not my will, but yours be done, is if we, and to some of you this is a swear word, but it's if we surrender to Him. We sang about it in the Mighty to Save song. We said, I surrender. And when we surrender, we always just want to surrender the bad things, Right? I surrender my addiction. I surrender, you know, my drug thing. Whatever. We surrender the bad things. No, you need to surrender it all. That means you get to surrender your dreams, surrender your visions, surrender your plans. Here's another swear word in the Christian community. You actually have to submit to His plans. Submit and you say, lead me. This is much more radical than any of us want it to be. We just want Him to lead us again when it's convenient. But I'm not talking about just when it's convenient. I'm talking about a complete abandonment of yourselves to God's purposes. Sure, we both have full-time jobs in Katy, Texas. Sure, we have financial security. But we are giving it up all for the glory of God and for the advancement of His kingdom. So we're going to this little church in the little town of Edgewood to be ministers of Christ. To lead people into His throne room for eternity. Hallelujah for that. But that is a complete abandonment. Much more serious and much more radical than any of us truly want to live. But we say, God, lead me. It's Proverbs 3, 6, right? God, I'm going to put my hope in You. God, I'm going to put my trust in You. God, I acknowledge You in all my ways. Not just in some ways, but all my ways. I'm submitting to You, Lord, in all my ways. Here's my life. Lead. Lead. I have people in my life, they won't let anybody else tell them what to do or where to go. I mean, if I hint at telling them, I, I want you to do this or I want you to do that, they snap. I do that often. You start telling me where to go, what to do, I snap. We all have that within us at some level. In our flesh, we are so strong-willed. We do not want to submit to authority. And we don't like the idea of not being in control. And we carry that same attitude of wanting control and not wanting anyone else to mess with our control. We carry that into our relationship with God. Alright, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to serve you. But only if I get to decide how, when, and where I'm going to serve you. Church, if you want to live the life that God has designed you and called you to live, then you've got to let go. You've got to let go of control and truly let Him lead you, truly direct your path. Only, listen to this church, only those who are yielded to the Spirit's leading will truly be led by the Spirit. Third, being led by the Spirit, it requires a listening to the Spirit. A listening. We do this first 
by thoroughly acquainting ourselves with his vocabulary. His vocabulary mean, meaning the Bible. You've got to see the Bible as the authoritative word of God. You start saying that you believe in this part, but not in this part. I've lived that way before, right? Yeah, I think this is good, and not this part. Or yeah, this is right, or this isn't right. You start living that way, the whole thing falls apart. If you don't believe me, I, I'll just tell you my own life. You start picking and choosing what you're going to believe, the whole truth of God falls apart. You've got to believe that it is God's Word for you. And when you read it, read it for the right reasons, with the right motive. It's not just some spiritual exercise to check off on your list to show what a good little Christian boy or girl you've been. As Christians, we read the Bible to hear God's voice. We need to understand that. Reading the Bible is not just this attempt at making ourselves look and sound more spiritual. It's not an attempt to earn brownie points or favor with God. Our time spent in His Word is the time spent where we are learning to become familiar with His voice. I was reading these chapters that we're going through today in Ephesians this week. And I have a really awesome Bible where it has the NIV and the message version side by side. So you can kind of compare and contrast. And this is what the message version says in Ephesians 5. Listen to this. It says, Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in the darkness where no one will see. Rip the cover off those frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly. Don't live unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what your master wants. Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God. Huge draughts of Him. Sing psalms. Sing hymns instead of those drinking songs. Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything. Any excuse. I love this. Any excuse for a song to God the Father in the name of our Master, Jesus Christ. And as I read that church, God began to just speak to me, overwhelm me with His Word and with His voice. He was altering the trajectory of my day. Again, this is why it's so important to take that time every morning because He actually changes the course of your day as you receive His Word. Being led by the Spirit, it requires us to take this time intentionally focusing on His voice. Every Spirit-filled believer, every Spirit-filled believer can hear the Spirit's voice. But it can take some time. Learning to hear the Spirit well, it doesn't happen overnight. There's two keys, I believe, to hearing Him well. Number one, approaching Him with a complete willingness to obey what He says. So my dad, when he would talk to me about reading the Bible, he'd say, you've got to pray first before you read the Bible. And when you pray, this is what you should pray. Say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you call me to do today. Before you read, you can't cheat. You can't read and then like decide what I'm going to obey and what I'm not going to obey. You know, you say, I have a willing heart to obey your word today. And then you open the word and you read it. Secondly, you obey quickly and thoroughly. Rick Warren says, delayed, dis uh, delayed obedience is disobedience. And I love that. Obey quickly and thoroughly what the Lord has said to you. 
People make fun of me, but lately I've been picking up trash as I go around and, and doing really simple, mundane things that I feel like the Lord is calling me to do. And I'm doing that because I want to be so intimate with His voice and so thoroughly led by His Spirit that I want to obey Him in even the silliest and most menial of tasks. I want to be in the same, in the same timeline as the Lord has for my life. I want to be in step with His Spirit. Because what happens is you obey Him and as you obey Him quickly, what happens is it actually increases the likelihood that the next time you hear Him, you're going to obey even more quickly and more thoroughly. The way I like to describe this is you begin to have a track record with God. Anybody in this room have a track record with God, right? A track record where you've hear, heard His voice. At first you're like, well, I don't know if this is the voice of God or not. Is this you, Lord? And you kind of just step out in faith and you obey Him. You're like, wow, that really was God. Well, the next time you obey Him and wow, that really was God. And the next time you obey Him, by the time you're, you know, my age walking with the Lord, I'm just, I'm there. I'm just ready to go. I'm there. My parents must be there too because I thought you were supposed to come to church today and you guys were like, well, we're supposed to be at church today. We're here. That doesn't surprise me. There's a track record and you gain a confidence in His voice and you have a passion to obey Him. And that's when you're truly led by the Spirit. There's nothing like being led by the Spirit. I'm not saying it's always going to be Disneyland, but there is an excitement of knowing that God Almighty, Creator of the universe, is leading you by His Spirit. So a Spirit-filled life is one where you're baptized by the Spirit, you're filled with the Spirit, and now you are led by the Spirit. And as you are led by the Spirit, you begin to see fruit developing in your life. This is the last thing I want to talk about. This idea of developing fruit. I am the true vine, Jesus says, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him. He is, it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. It's a powerful passage that the Lord speaks to all of us as His disciples. He says, you will bear fruit. One of these areas of fruit includes bringing people into relationship with the Father. Jesus is very clear that as His disciples, we are to be a witness. A witness. One of the main reasons for the Father sending us the Holy Spirit is to be a witness. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is what He tells His disciples. But you will receive Power, when the Holy Spirit comes. And this power is for what? That you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. But it's not going to stop there. It's going to go into all Judea and Samaria. And it's not going to stop there. It's going to go to the ends of the earth. So for all of us as believers, if we desire a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, it's not just for us. We get so self-consumed and so self-centered in our Christianity but being filled with the Spirit is not about me, myself, and I. The Holy Spirit fills me so that I might boldly and supernaturally bear witness to the good news about Jesus Christ. I am a witness to this world that Jesus is alive and that Jesus loves them. 
If you look in chapter 1, of verse, verse 8 of chapter of, of this book of Acts, that's what you see. The early believers, they would have never separated the Spirit's fullness from their mission to evangelize the world. They knew that when the Spirit had come upon them, they had received power to be His witnesses and to bear fruit. Do you believe that about yourself? Or do you only believe that about your pastor? Right? You've got to think, you've got to ask yourself those questions. Do I believe that God has clothed me with power from on high to be His witness throughout this world? Do you believe that about yourself? Fruit is also defined in the New Testament as having a Christ-like character. Maybe you've heard of this. We call it the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit's fullness is given to us to make us more and more like Christ. To be filled with His Spirit is to be filled with His character. By the way, if you want to know if you're living a Spirit-filled life, just ask the person next to you if they see the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And ask them if they see Jesus in you. It's a scary question, isn't it? But if you're living the Spirit-filled life, someone that has the fruit of the Spirit in you, they should be able to see it. Listen to what Paul says about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. A person who claims to be Spirit-filled, but who is unforgiving, who is impatient, divisive, harsh, or just flat-out mean, if they claim to be Spirit-filled, they are either lying or they're self-deceived. Those filled with the Spirit will have the fruit of the Spirit produced in their lives, not the works of the flesh. Now, none of us are perfect in this. We all have moments where, where we indulge the flesh instead of the Spirit, right? We act out in ways where we shouldn't. But see, here's the difference. A person walking in the Spirit would be the first to apologize. A person walking in the Spirit would be the first to say, I'm sorry. And to ask for forgiveness. The person walking in the Spirit would be the first to forgive someone who sinned against you. See, even though you sin at times, you are a person who is living the Spirit-filled life. And the Spirit is producing fruit. Of course you would be the first to apologize. Of course you'd be the first to serve another person. Of course you'd be the first to step up in spiritual maturity and love someone who isn't very loving. That's what you do when you're Spirit-filled. And if you've ever been around someone like this, you know that this kind of life is contagious, right? When I'm around someone living the Spirit-filled life, I just think, I want what you have, right? right? Just, I want what you have. I'm very fortunate and blessed to live in a family that lived by the Spirit. I'm the youngest of five kids, and I hear all these horror stories of families and, you know, with the, how their brothers and sisters treated them. But I was the youngest of five, and I'm here to tell you, I had two brothers and two sisters and a mom and a dad who all lived by the Spirit. At my youngest days, even though at times I cried to my mom and said, no one understands me and I think I'm adopted. Even in that, I, I knew that they lived by the Spirit. And what they had, I mean, at the earliest, as early as I can remember, what they had, I wanted. It was so attractive to me. Church, today in the world, we as a human race, we are continuing to destroy our lives by indulging in sin and darkness. And because of that, I believe that people are looking for another way. I honestly believe that. I'm so happy that I live in the year 2015 where it's legal to do anything. I love it. 
Because those things will not satisfy whether they're legal or illegal. They will always lead to death. I love living today because people are looking for another way. They are hungry for another way. And many people will be drawn to God whether you like it or not. Many people will be drawn to God because of the fullness of His Spirit in you. In you. They will want what you have. We're always wanting people to see Jesus, right? But the first Jesus they might ever meet is the Jesus that is displayed in you as you submit to the Spirit's leading. You are the living model. You are exhibit A of what a new creation, a new life in Christ looks like. It's you. And when you think of it like this, many of us today might need to take a hard look at our lives. Might need to examine how we're living. Man, you know, like when people see me, do they see Christ? Does my family see the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Does my spouse, do my kids, do my co-workers, my classmates, do they see love, joy? Again, we have so many excuses why we don't have to act this way. But this is a no excuse zone. Do they see love? Do they see joy? Peace. Is your home a home of peace? Patience. Goodness. Kindness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Political season is ramping up. It's revving. It's going. Is there a gentleness about you as you stand for your beliefs? And self-control. And if you're honest, many of us, the response to that is, wow, I really need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Right? If we're honest. And the cool thing about that is in His Word, He lets us know, good, because I'm ready to fill you with my Holy Spirit. It was never about you and your works in the first place. It is a grace walk. It's all about the grace of God. And He wants to give us that good gift today. Because, see, I know almost every person in this room wants the world to see Jesus. I know that. <laughs> but sometimes we just don't want them to have to see Jesus through us. But it's clear we are to be witnesses to this dark and hurting world. He has chosen you. He has chosen to reveal Himself and His nature through you and through me. And it's only possible if we give the Holy Spirit permission to baptize us, to fill us up, to lead us, and for Him to produce fruit in our lives. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. And as they do, if we could just create a safe and set apart place for the Spirit to minister to us. Give Him permission once again to fill us up. Give Him permission to fill us to overflowing rivers of living water. Allowing Him to lead us. Allowing Him to lead us. That we would be filled to follow. I want to give us a few moments to speak to the Lord as I went through that list, whether it's just waiting upon Him, worshiping Him, praying to Him, spending time in Your Word. I just want to give us some time right now to allow Him to speak to us.